Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Chris Kimston. If we haven't met, I'm the Young Adult Admissions Minister here at Lutheran Church of Hope. Uh, you've been welcomed many times, but welcome again. Uh, regardless of whether this is your first time or your millionth time, uh, we certainly appreciate it. Special shout out to those of you who maybe tried us out on Christmas Eve and uh, are giving us another try. And so we love new people here at Hope, and so we're glad that you're here. We are going to get to uh, Shrek and Donkey in a second, uh, but... I actually, it's kind of a weird in-between week for preaching series, kind of. You know, it's after Christmas, but it's before the New Year's. And so I said, John, can we just watch Shrek? <laughs> and he said, no. And so th that's, yeah, yes, yes, let's all boo Pastor John. No. And, pa and the young adult missions minister was never heard from again. <laughs> We're actually going to start uh, with a little uh, thing that everybody comes to church for, which is audience participation. Uh, just so raise your hand if this applies to you, uh, whether you're back in the lobby, up, up in the, uh, the balcony there, uh, just humor me. Raise your hand if you are planning on making a New Year's resolution. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Okay, that's really good. That's actually, you can put your hands down, that is slightly above the national average. You know, statistically speaking, about 60% of Americans make New Year's resolutions and, you know, goals that they want for the new year. And so I thought I would share with you, knowing that um, many of us are wanting to make 2019 a different year, uh, here are some of the most popular New Year's resolutions, the most popular according to one specific news outlet. 38% of the people making the... Uh, the resolutions, um, first of all, I just have to say, I know math police, this adds up to more than 100%, okay? Uh, it's because the people that were surveyed had multiple ones of these on their list, so don't email me about how bad my math is. So, uh, the number one on the list was 38%, people wanted to become more physically fit. Uh, just behind that was actually the biggest gainer, about uh, 9%. Uh, from the last year, 37% of people wanted to make or save more money. 24% uh, of people wanted to travel more, and 12% of people wanted to get a new job or start a new hobby. Apparently, those questions are uh, joined together. 11% uh, of people wanted to make new friends or continue new relationships, and 7% of people wanted to, quote-unquote, find love because they had lost it somewhere, I guess. But here's another little audience participation piece. I will not ask you, I won't shame anybody individually. This is where accountability comes in. How many people made New Year's resolutions last year? Oh, yeah, well, I'm a lot more sheepish now. Okay, no, 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 keep them up, keep them up. Raise your hand if you made New Year's resolutions last year. My hand as well. Um, the whole booth back there, they got them up. Now, keep your hand raised if you accomplished those goals. <laughs> some people, some people, okay, go ahead and put your hands down. That, that's awesome. Uh, congrats to you that we're able to do that. The reason I say this is because it's very popular to make goals here. But uh, Leading Business Magazine did a study on the New Year's resolutions from 2018 and found out that 9.2% of people of the 60% that made New Year's resolutions, only 9.2% of people accomplished those New Year's resolutions to the extent that they originally intended. Only 9.2%. And that's hard, and that I'm one of those people that did not. But there are a lot of reasons why people don't, and why we all don't, fulfill these goals. 
But what a lot of it boils down to is that life gets in the way. Because the truth of the matter is, for many of us hoping for uh, something different in 2019, resolution or not, whether you're a resolution person or not, we're all waiting for this year to be different in some way, big or small. We can agree that we're flawed humans looking for the opportunity to be better in some way. So maybe that you identify with some of these. And there's actually some of a very, you know, pure kind of human heart behind a lot of these goals that top this list year after year. Maybe you do, um, looking at these lists, maybe you do want to take better care of your body. Maybe you want to free yourself up financially so that you can give to others. Maybe you want to see more of the world. Maybe you want to spend your time uh, doing some of the passions and doing some of the things that God has put in your heart. Maybe you want to strengthen the relationships in your life. These might seem trivial, but that's what's behind all of these things. And, but maybe for you, it's not any of that. Maybe for you in 2019, you're, you're waiting for something different. Maybe you're waiting for a diagnosis or a treatment for something. Maybe you're waiting for some test results. Maybe you're waiting for a call from somebody. Maybe you're waiting to find out just what your next right step is. Maybe you're waiting for the motivation or the permission from somewhere or something to do something really difficult. Maybe, maybe you are waiting to take a step that you know is really hard and you really don't want to do, but you know is the right thing, whatever that circumstance is for you. Whatever we're waiting for, waiting can be really, really difficult. Waiting is a lot like both New Year's resolutions and donkey from our clip. We start off excited, we start off determined, we start off positive, but after a while, that excitement kind of wanes, and all of a sudden, we're left asking, are we there yet? We might get to the gym for a while, we might lay out the junk food for a while, we might start working on that new hobby, we start researching that vacation we want to take, we grab, grab lunch with a new friend or uh, grab drinks with a new coworker, or kind of start those different relationships. But then, all of a sudden, it's the first Monday in February where all New Year's resolutions go to die. <laughs> and our only thought that we're left with is, are we there yet? Am I different yet? Are things better yet? Is 2019 different yet? Am I different yet? Are we there yet? And in thinking about waiting, what we're really talking about is patience. Now, patience is something that my generation is notoriously bad at. Um, I heard a comedian once say that there was a time in the world where if you didn't know where John Bon Jovi was born, you just had to wonder. Can you imagine? In case you wondered, he was born March 2nd, 1962 in Perth Amboy, New, uh, New Jersey. And I had to know that as soon as I heard somebody say that. I had to look it up right away. And I just asked Alexa and she told me. But my generation grew up with this access to information. We have to know things. We have to get results right away. We have to, like, it's in my bones. Like, I feel like I need, I need to know. If we need to, you know, somebody asks you a question you don't know, what do you do? You pull out your phones and you look it up. You don't walk around in a perpetual state of wonder. No, you Google it. <laughs> My generation grew up with this, but 
Even if you're not a part of the dreaded millennial generation, you might find yourself in the same position, frustrated with the speed of things around you in your life and just in life in general. So um, I lived a couple years up in the Twin Cities uh, while I was up in seminary. Uh, My wife is from the Twin Cities, so we were living up there by her family, and uh, we got married up there, and I was uh, in grad school, and I worked as a part of this church, and I got this really cool opportunity to study with this rabbi. Now, that is like the coolest thing in the world to a religious nerd like me, and I can feel in this room that everybody is also very excited to study with. No. So I was really excited about this, and so what I did was this. Uh, I, I was going to go study with this rabbi. His name is Rabbi Allen, and Rabbi Allen is from the East Coast, and when he reads the Old Testament, he just has the Old Testament Hebrew out in front of him and just like reads it, and I'm like, man, that's so awesome. But Rabbi Allen also knew Koine Greek and knew the New Testament better than almost any, uh, any pastor that I know. And so he worked, instead of um, presiding over one specific religious community in the form of a synagogue on the East Coast, which he did for a while, he now travels the country teaching uh, uh, clergy leaders and pastors and different people this certain way of studying called the Socratic method, which is just question-based Bible study. And uh, you see Jesus do this a lot. You see a lot of rabbis do this. And so it was really exciting. So I get the opportunity to go do this. And so I had uh, put this in the middle of my day uh, amongst many other things that I was doing at the time. And uh, I was running pretty on time that day, which, you know, for me is like 10 minutes late. And I'm running around my house because what do you wear to study with a rabbi, right? But so I go and I jump in my car and I'm driving and it's cold and it's in Minnesota and so there's, there's like snow everywhere and the traffic is really bad. I don't want to hear complaints about Des Moines traffic because the Twin Cities is the worst. And we're driving there and I have perhaps a little bit of trouble with road rage, maybe just a little bit. Um, and so here I am, like, yelling at someone and then feeling bad about it and praying and then yelling again because somebody would cut me off while I was praying. You know how it goes. Anyway, so we were driving. We finally, I can't find this place that we're supposed to be. We finally get, I, I finally get there, just, like, sweating, just, like, so anxious, and I finally get there, and I am, like, 14 minutes late which is the worst kind of late because you're late after all the other late people like got there five minutes ago. (laughs) And so I I burst into the room kind of like Kramer from Seinfeld and there's no joke sitting in a circle, just like enjoying quiet. (laughs) I'm just sweating and I, I go and I I sit down and I apologize for, um, uh, for, for being late and all of that. And, Rabbi Allen, first of all, has one of the most fantastic speaking voices. You know Mac, he's here this morning. Mac, who reads uh, our scripture a lot of times. I just want to hear Alan and Mac have a conversation. I just want to record it and listen to it. He's, Rabbi Allen has this deep voice. And the other thing that you have to understand about Rabbi Allen is that the way that he speaks never is faster than this. And I felt all of your, like, blood pressure rise a little bit. Yes, that's what it felt like. Now imagine me, 15 minutes late, sweating, getting there, wondering what I'm going to do next. And here I am in the presence of this, like, awesome guy who has the, you know, truth to pass on to all of us. Um, We're sitting there, and he's talking about how um, 
so many of the Bible, the thing we were talking about that day is how uh, you can trace things back, even in the New Testament, back to Exodus and back to the original uh, Genesis story, and it's all really exciting, and I'm nerding out about some of it, but something really hard happened. See, the thing was is that I couldn't process and couldn't, couldn't fully participate in it because I couldn't slow down enough to see what was happening right in front of me. I like couldn't get there almost. And at one point we were talking about, um, there was discussion, you know, there's a lot of discussion in that type of studying. And we were talking about things that really frustrate us. And I was like, you know, things that are unnecessarily slow are typically things that frustrate me. And Alan just smiled and he sat back and he goes, Chris, I must frustrate you greatly. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't, for the record. He's awesome. Alan, if you ever listen to this somehow, you're the man. Um, but I was, having a, I was having a lot of trouble because of waiting, because of patience, because of the pace of life. I just wanted it all faster. I wanted it all more. And I was, I was so caught up and frenzied that I couldn't quite get there. And I wonder if that's true for some area in your life as well. And I'm going to be presumptuous enough to say that we all here live in almost 2019. And so you probably have some area in your life that you're having trouble slowing down to fully see what God has placed in front of you. What way is that for you? That leads me to uh, my main point this morning, which is that we worship a God that shows up to make us whole. We worship a God that shows up to make us whole. You see, often we're discontent with the speed of things that are happening. And so what happens is we confuse the pace of something with its result. We sometimes assume that something won't ever happen just because it hasn't happened yet. Sometimes we confuse a not yet with an outright no. And so, like I said, we're kind of in the middle of this uh, Advent season, oh, at the end of the Advent season. If you weren't with us um, for the, the run-up to uh, Christmas, Advent is a specific time in the church calendar that is the lead-up to Advent, and technically, like right now, as it draws to a close. Now, Advent is not about Christmas cookies and Christmas movies and gifts and family reunions and all that, and those things are all great. What we've talked about a lot here at Hope Des Moines is how... Uh, Advent is intentionally a time to wait, to put ourselves in a position of waiting on God, to, to put ourselves in the place of that. And that's always seemed weird to me on some level because you know Christmas is coming. So what's it like to wait for something that you know is going to happen? But maybe Advent was really difficult for you because maybe you're not necessarily concerned with losing weight or becoming more organized or being on time or whatever the New Year's resolution was. Maybe you said, maybe you say, I've been waiting. I don't need to put myself in a position of waiting for some Advent season because I've been waiting for a long time. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're waiting for help. Maybe you've been waiting for direction. Maybe you've been waiting for purpose. Maybe you're frustrated with the pace that life is giving you those things. The reason that we're waiting, the reason that we can't quite get there is because we can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. If we could, we already would have. But here we are, all still waiting. We are not here today 
because God kept us waiting. Christmas is not the story of a God that we enter into a time of waiting and never showed up. Christmas is a story about how God showed up to people when he needed them, when they needed him the most. Because we worship a God who shows up to make us whole. And that's uh, no more true anywhere else than our Bible story for today, which uh, a lot of times, yay, you know, Jesus was born, the angels came, manger scene, all those good things, big star in the sky, Merry Christmas. Christmas story is over, but I actually think that this is an important part of the Christmas story as well. So a little bit of context. Uh, what would happen back in the day, uh, similar to kind of a baptism ritual that we would do here, uh, if you have a new baby, there are babies here today, um, you, at 40 days, you bring your baby, my baby's apparently very small, I'm holding hands like this, um, you bring your baby to uh, your place of worship, your synagogue, and you present him to like your religious family. You'd present them to the religious official. There'd be a ceremony. And it's just like a presentation, a wow, look at God has put this new life in our community, a really nice thing. And so uh, Mary and Joseph and little baby Jesus was uh, going to go do, that's what they were doing that day. What happens is, and you heard uh, Rashonda read this earlier, is that they walk in, which I'm I'm pretty sure this doesn't usually happen. Some random old guy comes out and starts raving about who this Jesus person not only is but will be, like starts making claims about who Jesus will be um, in this big, you know, cosmic story of God. And then after that, um, right after our scripture reading ends, there's another woman uh, named Anna. It actually is probably Anna, but I'm from central Iowa, so I will probably default to Anna. Um, So Simeon and Anna are these two people that come out of nowhere to pronounce these grand things about the baby Jesus. Now, here's the thing. We don't know a lot about these two people. But when the Bible puts somebody in a story like this and only gives you a couple of details, those details are super, super important. So here's what we know about Simeon. Uh, some people think he was just a random guy that, just decided, that was just a like, really religious guy that just popped in and started to do this. But um, historical record uh, might indicate that if he were in this position to do this at a synagogue, he might have been like a lay person or he might have been the religious person in charge for that day. So he would have been there to bless the baby. So that's what he was going to do. Um, what we, the other thing that we know about him besides the fact that he was very religious is that he was super old. Um, some traditions hold that Simeon was between 100 and 200 years old. Um, just according to tradition, that's how old he was considered uh, to be. The Latin text of this, uh, of this biblical passage even refers to him as Simeon Senex, which translates to old man Simeon. So, we can hold to the fact that Simeon was, one, super old, and two, a devoutly religious person. Then we get to Anna, Anna, uh, Anna the prophetess, which is just a fancy way to say lady prophet. And we only know that she was from a tribe in Israel that prophesied about the Messiah. Her people were popular for um, making proclamations about this person, this role that Jesus was to fill. It also says that she was a widow of 84 years. The language actually isn't clear. So she's either 84 years old and a widow or has been a widow for 84 years. But regardless, um, the Bible also says that she was widowed after several years of marriage. 
So track this with me. Most women at that time get married, just like Mary and Joseph did, at age 13 or 14. I don't mean to make teenage parents squirm. Um, If she got married at 13 or 14 like everybody else at that time, she would have only lived uh, with her husband for a few years before she was widowed, which means if she was 84, she had spent a lifetime alone. She had spent a lifetime being in a position at that day and age that was kind of dangerous to be in. A woman at that time, in that place, a woman that didn't have a family was in a very vulnerable and often downcast position in society. That had to be a reality. And regardless of how those details shake out um, for those two characters, the things that we know about these individuals is that one, they, they were both people with a specific relationship with God and that they were anticipating the coming of Jesus. And two, they were both in a position to have to wait lifetimes to get where they were going. Simeon was told early in life that he would see God deliver on this promise of a Messiah. And here he is, somewhere around 200, still waiting. Anna's standing there day after day, after losing somebody that she loved, being in a vulnerable position, waiting for this coming expression of God. They both had to wait lifetimes. The people, the Bible seems to have presented us with the two people who were to wait the longest for something. If anyone had enough experience to just say, like, to heck with it, if God would have done it already, he would have. I've waited long enough, I'm going to go my own way. If anybody had the right to say that, it might have been them. Because in some respects, maybe they had waited long enough. But where does our story find them? It finds them in a place of worship trying to connect with God. And if they hadn't, if they hadn't shown up at worship, if they hadn't uh, tried to continue to believe that their God was a God that provides, that their God was a God who shows up, they would have missed it. They would have missed that baby coming in to fulfill what God had promised for their life. They wouldn't have discovered the thing that they were waiting for, but they did because we worship a God who shows up to make us whole. So uh, in the language of this, if you read in a Bible, there are different translations for this, but at the beginning of our Simeon story, it says that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And if you're like me, you had no idea what that means. And so I looked that up because what happens a lot of times is if there's a very strange English word in an English translation, it means there's something kind of funky going on in the Greek. And so there's this word, uh, parakalesin, which comes from the word parakaleo, which is what they translate to consolation, which sounds very official, but could be translated uh, a bunch of different ways. It could be called, they were waiting for the encouragement of Israel, the making whole of Israel, the reconciling of Israel. These are pretty official terms, but if you keep going down to the root of the root of the word, the way that you can translate it is a calling to one's aid. Basically, Simeon was waiting for God to come and help, is is how we can translate it at its heart. Simeon was waiting for God to come and help. Simeon was waiting for God to show up. 
And instead of being some god on a high mountain somewhere, like other deities people believed in at the time, some divine spirit that couldn't be bothered with those below them, God took a much more direct route to the meaning of the original root of the word. He physically, in the manifested form of Jesus Christ, in the dirty, bloody, sweaty, flawed form of humanity, came to the aid of his people. God showed up. The power of this story, and of the Christmas story, but of this story in particular, isn't that some old guy and some old lady somehow identified a baby as the Messiah sometime in its future. To focus on the miraculous nature of that might threaten to miss the point. The point of this story is that despite all of the times that Simeon or Anna could have given up, could have quit, could have gotten justifiably frustrated that their lives weren't going the way that they were supposed to, They didn't give up hope because they believed in a God that showed up. So I wonder how many of us, and probably all of us in some way, shape, or form, are going, life, looking at 2019, 2018 didn't go all the ways that I wanted it to go. I wasn't the person that I wanted to be in 2018, but looking at 2019, sometimes that mountain looks just a little too high to climb for me you might say. I don't know how I'm going to change. I don't know how things are going to be better. But we worship a God that shows up. And the important thing is we don't worship, let me say this carefully, we don't worship a God who showed up once and and so we show up here to celebrate that. We worship a God that shows up and will continue to show up in a bunch of different ways. And sometimes... That's through us. We worship a God that's so good that we get to be the way that God shows up in other people's lives. So maybe in 2019, maybe a resolution that you have is to be more kind. It's to find a way to help. It's to start, it's to volunteer some of your time. It can be here, it can be somewhere else. doesn't matter. Maybe it's giving back. Maybe it's just loving your family more. Maybe it's, maybe your resolution doesn't have a lot to do with you. Maybe it's about loving others and showing up for others in the same way that God shows up for you. Because we're all waiting for something to change in this new year. And I don't know what that is for you. But what I do know is that we're all here because we worship a God who showed up and shows up. And he shows up to make us whole, not just for us, but for you, for all of us, whoever's listening to this online or anywhere. So this isn't just something that we think about. This isn't just something that we get to pause and and wonder about, you know, during during our week. This is something that we get to praise about. This is something that we get to sing about. And you see, if part of this is about recognizing God being here and now and slowing down like we're all not very good at, then take this opportunity. We're going to sing one more song. And maybe if you've never seen worship this way before, the invitation is to do that. Slow down. Don't make your Trader Joe's list during the last song. But instead... Consider what you're waiting on in 2019 
and think about the God that shows up for you and maybe, just maybe, how he might show up for somebody else through you. Because we worship a God whose love is reckless and it never, ever will fail. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.